Hey there, you're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide. It's a podcast where we talk about life, music, and spirituality. As we get into this, I just want you to know that it's not about getting you to believe what I believe. It's about asking you to ask yourself why you believe what you believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Don't Be an A-Hole, a spiritual guide. Or if you're not on iTunes, it's still titled Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide. I'm really excited about today's episode. Actually, today plus the next two or three episodes, I interviewed my friend from Houston, Texas, Ryan Beatty. And I'll get into a little bit more of why I'm excited about that in just a second. Before we go any further, I just want to remind you that you can support this podcast not just with your thoughts and prayers, but with your money by going to patron.podbean.com forward slash Eric Tomure. Take a few moments, check that out. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at dbaaeric at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Those are the only ones I do. I don't understand any of the rest of them. So anyway, Ryan was someone that I've known for a long time and someone I've respected for a long time. But a couple of years ago, he decided to take a stand for something that he thought was right, and he got a lot of flack for it. He got a lot of negative feedback because of taking a stand for something that he thought was the right thing to do. And a lot of things came about. We'll, you'll hear about that in the conversations but what I really respect is that Ryan was an example to me how to go through these types of things and yet stay gracious and keep a good attitude and be a faithful person, not get bitter about it. In short, he wasn't an asshole. So I, I really appreciate that. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ryan Beatty. All right. Hey there. <laughs> How you been? Good. He's excited. He said he's going to, you know, his grandma, his mama is not going to like that name. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to be able to tell my mama I was on a podcast called, called Don't Be an A-Hole. Right. Well, I had to change it to Don't Be an A-Hole because oh. iTunes wouldn't allow asshole on the screen. I mean, you can say it all you want, but it can't be like typed out in any of the descriptions or titles or anything so wow yeah i'm getting over a little cold so it's in my chest at this point so this is this is not coffee this is theraflu oh okay yeah well what, what, what do i use hell i now i use like all these natural remedies um you've like, been in california so long you've you've just become a freaking hippie yeah yeah basically i'm a, I'm a hippie and uh I, I, I liked Theraflu. I liked uh, Nyquil. I really liked Nyquil. Now I like Jack Daniels. So um, listen, I got some uh, Texas Crown Canadian up in the uh, uh, up in the cabinet there. I may put a little in the Theraflu before this thing gets gets yeah, going. I'll get a hot toddy going when I'm I'm not feeling good. But I'll tell you one thing that works for me, and it it tastes like crap. I hate it. I hate it, but I like the way that I feel. Not right when I drink it, but afterwards. I take mm. I take a juicer because I, I do these juice fasts every once in a while because right. you know California. California, yeah. And 
but what I'll do in this juicer is I'll throw a, like a whole lemon through it, like a couple of cloves of garlic and uh, a thumb of ginger. And it tastes like it's like pipe cleaner going through my system. Tastes like and a cap crap down your throat. It's like the cure is worse than the disease for like a mm-hmm. minute. And then I feel really weird, but it knocks it out. It always knocks it out. There you go. You know, so it's always worth it if it's going to be bad. If I know it's going to be bad, then it's worth the cure. If it's like just a day, you know, then I, I take uh, NyQuil and I'm done. Sure. So. But NyQuil dreams are hard for me. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I, had, uh, I had one the other night. I, I dreamed that I was at the wake of George Herbert Walker Bush. <laughs> um, and, and he wasn't actually completely dead. <laughs> he, he was he was zombie he was like a zombie oh and my george god w, and george w was trying to keep it quiet <laughs> yeah that that was literally a dream i had this week so oh my gosh yeah that's that's I, cold that, those are cold med dreams right there yeah, that's exactly right there that was not the spirit or my subconscious yeah people try to make, find a meaning in dreams and sometimes it's just drugs yeah you know? absolutely yeah but I listen to some podcasts where some guys who microdose LSD and mushrooms and stuff are, uh, it really felt like they found the meaning of life through that stuff. I and guess. I, I guess so. I mean, it, I've never done it. Uh, even before Christ, before religion, before spirituality. Yeah. I, I never saw it. I, I smoked a lot of weed, but that was about, about it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I I grew up in a, a small German town in Texas where parents, not my parents, other people's parents would uh, buy the alcohol for you, and just uh, and just say stay in the pasture or turn in your keys, you yeah. know. And so nobody needed the other things because alcohol was a plenty if if you were so inclined. Right. Well, I was I was so inclined for a little while. All right, man. Well. I know that we have a lot of things that we could cover. You know, I don't, yeah. I know you're two hours behind me over there, so I don't want to like just keep you up all night, but I got all night. Okay. I'm going to switch to a different set of headphones. They're clicking in and out. And so hold on just one second. I was uh, talking to a friend on a pod, you know, doing this podcast the other day, or I guess the interview was in November, but I've gotten so much mileage out of that interview that yeah. uh, it seems like it was just the other day, but hell, uh, I just, in the middle of the conversation, I was like, did I leave my stove on? And I got up and walked. I could not. And we were like in a deep spot too. Just classic Classic earbuds. Yeah, man. A lot of times I'll use earbuds just for my voiceover work instead of the big headphones. If I'm doing long form narration. Yeah. Because I don't want to have these on for five hours. <clears throat> right. You know, cause if I'm doing an audio book, I use the ones that are like the form fitting it. They're not the iPhone ones. Uh, they're the ones that have like the little uh, rubber on them right. and stuff, but because they're, they're lighter and they still got a good sound and they produce a good seal. So if I'm doing an audiobook narration, I almost always use earbuds instead of the big headphones. That but, makes sense to me. Yeah. When I'm doing like a, like I have an audition for, for Jimmy John's when I'm done here. So I'll, uh, Hey-o. so oh. one of my best friends from seminary, well, just one of the greatest guys and uh, he's from Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. And so he he can't pronounce a J. <laughs> and so we would go we would go hang out late at night in uh, in downtown Springfield, Missouri, and uh, about two a.m. 
he would be hungry, and he and his response was always, "Dude, let's go to Yimmy Yons." <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so that reminds yeah. me of uh, who's that comedian had a TV <laughs> show? Uh, George Lopez. Yeah, he was, one of his uh, routines, stand-up routines, was talking about yak in the box and a yumbo yak, and and uh, yeah. George and, Lopez, big Dodgers fan. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've fallen out of sports the last few years. Mm. I just don't. I don't follow any sports anymore. Like <coughs> people are like here in L.A. Oh my! Are you there? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. I don't Did know you what. Have an no, nothing. I was just you were all of a sudden your face was just frozen on the screen. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you were too. Okay. So you're saying uh, you'd gotten out of sports. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so far out of sports that um, like during the Super Bowl this year, like the day before, a couple of days before people are like, Oh dude, Super Bowl is going to be great. And I'm like, uh, who's playing? <laughs> and like here in LA, people yeah. are like uh, the LA Rams. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's nice for you guys. I guess, <laughs> you know, I, I, well, I know, I know you're an Oklahoma boy, your boy, uh, Bob Stoops. They just announced today is the new head coach of the XFL Dallas team. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there was an XFL. They're coming back next year, the spring of 2020. The XFL is coming back, and Bob Stoops is coaching the Dallas team. We did it our way, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Apparently, they're going to try to do it a little different this go-around. It's not going to be a competitor with the NFL. It's going to attempt to sort of be a theater for the NFL, hmm. a minor league, if you will. I guess I will. I, I have no idea, you know. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard anything about it, but, you know, like I said, you know, and I, I've talked about this before, but for me, sports was, when I'm into it, I'm into it. Yeah. You know, I, I like, I'm passionate about it. University of Oklahoma, Detroit lions was my, my NFL team. Uh, I never really followed baseball too much and I haven't really followed basketball for a long time, but yeah, about three years ago, I went through just dark, dark depression mm. and you just, nothing makes sense and you don't find joy in anything. Right. And sports was one of those things I just couldn't find any <clears throat> joy in. And when I kind of came out of it, I was like, I had all this time that wasn't wrapped up in sports anymore. Mm. And I was like, eh, I don't need it. Yeah. So it just, what it didn't make sense to steal time away from the family to watch a football game. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. My, I used to be one of those guys who uh, I could watch sports center 24 uh, seven. But now like I, I never turn it on the sports center. And really um, I only care about the Astros and the Texans. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a Rockets fan, always have been, you know, and I, and I look to see if they won. I'm not really into it. You know, I want to see if the other Houston sports teams are doing well. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, you're a Houston guy. Yeah, I am. My born and raised. And so <clears throat> I was born at a hospital a mile and a half from where I live right now. And so I'm a Houston guy. So I'm a Houston sports guy. And I live a mile and a half from the, from the baseball stadium and the basketball stadium. And I was a season ticket holder this past year for the Astros, which was nice. That was real cool. Yeah, that I got a, cool. a buddy of mine is uh, in my acting class here in L.A., and he's a big Astros fan uh, from Texas. And he's, right. yeah, his 
thought on the Super Bowl was like, well, when does baseball season start? That's you exactly know? right. And pitchers uh, and catchers, twelve days. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, my my dad was a big St. Louis Cardinals fan yeah. when I was growing up, but I just, Cheaters. I just what? Cheaters. Cheaters, huh? They hacked the Astros minor league uh, computer system a couple of years ago. They actually got fined. Wow. Uh, pretty significantly by the ma- by Major League Baseball and gave up some draft picks because of it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always going to hate on the Cardinals because again, I grew up an Astros fan. And, right. Um, and there's some of its jealousy, but you know. Yeah, I guess uh, Cardinals. What they have the second most World Series titles or something like that. They do. Yeah. 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 Uh, so for some reason, some stats just stick in my head. Like sure. I can I can tell you like all of Mark McGuire's rookie stats for some reason. <laughs> uh, I, I I used to collect the cards. You know, yeah. when I was like 14, he was a rookie when I was like 14, and. You know, when you're 14 years old and something, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy is amazing. So it just sticks in your head. Mark, he was amazing. Um, We can talk, man, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about tonight and we can talk for as long as you want to talk. So I've it's I've got time. All right. Well, you know, this podcast, if you've listened to it, you know that we Mm -hmm. just talk around whatever your life is. And I try to guide it a couple of ways, a couple of times. But other than that, like your life dictates the content. Yeah. And um and I'm I'm really excited about this because you're somebody who we've traversed a similar path but it's been it's been different enough, you yeah. know, and you're someone who intellectually I respect. I, I, I think that uh I'm I'm interested in in your path working through some of the things how you did it because I I sure. do I do things my own way. And a lot of times it's just burn the shit out of every bridge I come across. <laughs> and, and yeah. I felt like I've been chased across some bridges with torches <laughs> and pitchforks. Um, I, I've tried really hard not to burn any bridges. I didn't have to burn. Right. Um, and I, I feel like at times other people lit bridges on fire and then pointed the finger at me. Yeah. Um, oh, I feel that for sure. So, but, and both of us are on the other side of leaving a denomination we've been a part of for a very, very long time. Yeah. But what I want to do during this conversation is talk about why that happened, but I also want to get to, we were there for a reason. Yeah. There, the, I don't want to just talk about the bad things and the reasons why we left. Sure. I want to talk about the reasons where we were there. So I kind of want to get your where you came from, your upbringing, how you got involved, when you went to Sagu, all that stuff. And yeah. just kind of let you tell your story because leaving only makes sense in context of why we were there. Yeah. You know? um, it's not a big deal for like for the average Joe, uh, someone to leave a Baptist church for a Presbyterian church for an Assembly of God church, an attender you know, they go because of various reasons, but someone who grew up in it and held their credentials leaving is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I want to kind of get to the, the heart of what was good so that we can talk about why we left. Yeah. But let's start me off with how you got involved with the AG in the first place. So I was born in Houston, Houston, Texas, raised in a town, uh, called Brenham, which is just an hour and 15 minutes outside of town. And, uh, we've, always went to the AG church. As a matter of fact, I grew up going to AG church. My mom grew up going to AG church. Her mom grew up going to the AG church. 
her mom went to an AG church. And so my, my maternal grandmother is not the oldest member of her AG church, but she is the longest attending member of her AG church. And I think, I think she's 82 and she's been there since she was eight months old. Wow. So, so literally four, I got like on my mom's side, four generations of people Mm -hmm. who attended Assemblies of God churches, who attended, who participated, who taught Sunday school, who was involved in uh, women's ministries, men's ministries, all different kinds of things. Um, And today my, my mom is actually, my mom actually just this last year got credentialed, uh, licensed with the Assemblies of God and was elected the pastor of the church I grew up in. Uh, my dad uh, serves with her as in an executive pastor function. He also works full time, but uh, we've been AG a long time. And yeah. so I grew up uh, going, you know, doing all the Assemblies of God things, VGMC. I was big in Royal Rangers. Um, I earned my gold medal of achievement, which is the highest award you can earn in Royal Rangers. When it's I like being 14. an Eagle Scout or something, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's like being an Eagle Scout. And uh, I earned that when I was 14. Uh, and then I got involved at the district and and national. And so at the state, local and national level. And when I was 17, uh, I was elected uh, to a position that like, up until that point, something like only 10 or 11 young men had ever been elected to, you know? And so, um, uh, so like I was highly involved and, yeah. and then on top of that, uh, you know, my youth pastor let me preach and I was involved with fellowship of Christian athletes and, and all those kinds of things, uh, when I was growing up and, and then there was my mom who, who's just a wonderful lady, but who, from the time I was like, told me I was going to college at Southwestern Assemblies of God University like that was it was like if if we believed in predestination (laughs) it was predestined (laughs) for me via fiat from my mother uh that that's where I was headed for college so so when I uh really it was the Assemblies of God was all I'd ever known uh it was what I had been taught growing up the AG's theology and doctrine. Those were the people that I knew. It was the system, the polity that I knew. And then it was the college that I went to. And right. so uh, I went to the Southwestern Assemblies of God University. What I, years, were, what years was, were you there? I was there from the fall of 1999 and I graduated in December of 2002. Uh, my wife, Carista, and I actually graduated the same night. Okay. Uh, now we um we were acquaintances in college we had several classes together uh and we actually had a lot of the same friends but the two of us never hung out right like it was just like that's carista that's ryan you know Mm -hmm. we didn't start dating till 13 years after we graduated college (laughs) Uh, so i went to college got a degree in church ministries got credentialed with the assemblies of god and spent time as a youth pastor and spent time as a children's pastor. Eventually I moved to Springfield, Missouri, where Assemblies of God headquarters is. Uh, I enrolled in Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. And so I did an MDiv through AGTS. So I did my seminary degree there. 
while I was there. The first year I worked for Global University, which is a correspondence university that the Assemblies of God has that allows uh, people to go through their credentialing process in a local level, as well as provides college courses, both in the U.S. and abroad. <clears throat> so I worked there for a year, and then I actually took a job at uh, Assemblies of God headquarters in the Royal Rangers department. It was literally my my childhood dream come true. <laughs> like I'd grown up just like, you know, wanting to be a Royal Ranger. That's all I, you know, and I was like, nobody ever gets to be a Royal Ranger for their job. Right. Uh, but I did. I did for three years. And I worked with an, an amazing, uh, amazing boss on just an incredible team of guys uh, for three years. And I, I wrote curriculum uh, and I was the liaison to the other ministries that the that the AG had and youth ministries and children's ministries, uh, girls ministries. I was the liaison from from Rangers to those groups. I traveled. I got to go to like six foreign countries and something like 30 different states. It was great. Like it was, it was, I mean, it wore me out because <laughs> I was, I was, you know, on the road at least a hundred nights every year uh, and then writing curriculum when I was home, <clears throat> but it was great. And I, I got to know people. I got to build relationships with national leaders. I got known. I had friends. Uh, I loved my time at headquarters. I loved my time. Uh, at, at AGTS, the seminary. I love being in Springfield. And and to be honest there, I never really thought about three years into being there, I thought I would never leave. Mm. I thought I would buy a house in Springfield. I would uh, get a doctorate somewhere and I would work for Rangers for, you know, 10, 12 years uh, and then once my doctorate was done, I would teach. I would teach at Evangel University. I would teach at AGTS. Like I really thought that's what I would do. And then, uh, and then God wrecked my shop. I went to a church planning conference on behalf of my office uh, to speak with church planters about how Royal Rangers could be used for small groups for kids as your church started up. And while I was there, well, when I got there, they told me that they said, oh, you didn't get the email. <laughs> I love a conversation that starts like that. Right. I walk in <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, we paid, I think it was 300 bucks for a booth here. And they're like, oh, you didn't get the email. We told all the vendors to cancel because the location ended up not having space. Well, the conference was in Houston, Texas, and that's a long way from Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. So I had. I had driven down and had a whole truck full of stuff and they were like, well, feel free to stay uh, since you <laughs> drove all this way. And they're like, you can put some, you know, paper out on the table or something. I'm like, all right, cool. So I stayed. And while I was there, I spent some time with friends several nights, several different nights with several different friends. And the first night I was with a friend who was planting a church on the Southeast part of town. And we were talking and he and his wife were talking about what they were doing. Uh, he said to me, he said, Ryan, he said, our district, South Texas needs more young church planters like us. And if I, and, and if I were you, I would plant inside the 610 loop. So the city of Houston is built on two highway loops. The 610 loop is the inner loop and Beltway 8 is the outer loop. And 610 loop 
the inner loop has about a half a million people that live in it. And it's roughly the size of the entire city of Boston. And at that time, there was no Assemblies of God churches down there. Wow. No South Texas English-speaking Assemblies of God churches in that area. There was a guy who was traveling the district saying he was going to plant a church down there. Right. Which he did, thankfully. And But my buddy was like, you should plant in the inner loop. And I was like, dude, that's, a, that's crazy, that number. The next night, I'm with a different buddy who's planting a church on the southwest side of town. And I was sitting there at dinner, and he goes, you know, Ryan, you should plant a church. Do you know that there's a half a million people inside the inner loop of Houston and no Assemblies of God church? And I was like, Sam just said that to me last night. That's crazy. He's like, I know. The next night, I'm with my buddy Dave, and I'm at dinner with him and his wife. And he says, you know what, Ryan? You should plant a church in Houston. You know there's a half a million people inside the sixth in loop of Houston and no Assemblies of God church. He said, and if I was going to plant a church down there, I would plant it in Rice Village. Hmm. And instantly, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, that's what I want you to do. And so it had been three. I was at a church planning conference, and it was three straight days of meeting with friends who all of them said over and over, half a million people inside the loop, no AG churches, half a million people. And on the third night, Dave said, half a million people inside the loop. And if I was going to plant someplace, it would be Rice Village. And immediately, it was just it. The Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, that's what I want you to do. And that was in November of 2008. And I was like, I'm not interested in doing that, God. <laughs> that is not in my plan. Because I had only been at Rangers for like a year and a half at that point. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm in, I'm like, I am in my sweet spot right now. Like, like I'm batting cleanup in life at the moment. I do not, I do not need to move to Houston and plant a church. I am good. Mm -hmm. But I got back to town and I talked to my parents about it over the holidays. And then I talked to another buddy about it in January. And I was like, man, I felt like this is what God's putting on my heart. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, well, man, if God told you to do it, you got to do it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it was, you know, maybe it was the chicken wings we were eating, you know? So, uh, so I kind of put it away. Right. In August of 2009, we were at general council, which is the AG's biannual big meeting where thousands upon thousands of people show up. And where was we were, that one located? Was that one in Phoenix? The yes, it, uh, no, no. 2011 was in Phoenix. 2009 was in Orlando. Okay. <laughs> and um, and so I'm sitting there in this. It was the Friday morning session because they had gotten Rick Warren from Saddleback Church to come and speak. And so he's sitting there and he's speaking and he starts talking, and out of nowhere, in I'm sitting next to my buddy Gray and we're sitting there listening. And out of nowhere, I have this Damascus Road experience. Like, you know how, like, I don't know if you grew up here. You're from Oklahoma, so you probably heard people say, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Mm -hmm. You know, like the Holy Switch is nonsense. Right. And um, because the Holy Spirit hit me like a crazy person. Like, the Holy Spirit snuck up behind me and, and choked me out. And he mugged me. The Holy Spirit mugged me while I was sitting in that meeting. And I just began to weep 
<clears throat> because the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart over the fact that 10 months earlier, he told me that I was supposed to go plant a church and I had put it away. And I, as close to audibly as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, I heard the Spirit say, now do what I told you to do, plant this church. Well, I hope you enjoyed part number one. I know that was a weird place to stop, but we had a two-hour conversation, and the best thing would be to hear the whole thing all the way through. So next week, tune in to see how this whole thing unfolds, man. It's going to be worth it. I guarantee it. Don't be an asshole, all right? All right. All right.